0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. It's taken us, I don't know how many years, five, I think, to get Jared Diamond on the program, but we're pleased to say he will be joining us in our second segment today. Jared Diamond, the author of Collapse, as well as the well-regarded Guns, Germs, and Steel, was promoting a National Geographic special, which I'm sure they'll be uh, airing and re-airing on the Nat Geo channel. The uh, special used a different approach than what we would have thought perhaps optimal, but uh, it was, uh, I guess, in keeping with the current efforts to hold the viewers' interest by dramatizing a uh, look back from the year 2210, back at uh, our current civilization. Nevertheless, there's a lot of good information in it, and of course there's even more good information in the original book, Collapse, How Societies Choose to Fail or Succeed, by Jared Diamond. So, by all means, stay tuned for that t- chat in our second segment today. And in our third segment, we're going to take a little field trip and go visit a, a local cannabis dispensary with all of the, uh, the hubbub over the uh, proposition on our November ballot that will legalize cannabis in California for medicinal purposes. This one uh, is very timely, and we look forward to that as well. But let us begin this program, as we like to do, with On This Date in History. Our date in question is September 23rd, which this year marks the first day of autumn. The autumnal equinox, along with the vernal equinox, marks the uh, two times during the year which pretty much every place on Earth gets 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of dark. Well, not if you're right at the polls, but most places. It was on September 23rd in the year 867 that the Byzantine Emperor Michael III, the drunkard, was assassinated in Constantinople. And I don't know anything about Michael III, but I like his nickname. On April 23rd in 1806, the American explorers Meriwether Lewis and William Clark receive a boisterous greeting upon their return to St. Louis, Missouri, having made the first recorded overland journey from the Mississippi River to the Pacific Ocean and back. On this date in 1846, the German astronomer Johann Gottfried Galle discovered the planet Neptune at the Berlin Observatory. The blue gas giant, which has a diameter four times that of the Earth, was named for the Roman god of the sea. And its existence had been predicted by two mathematicians prior to its actual discovery through the telescope. On September 23rd 1926, the American boxer Gene Tunney won the World Heavyweight Championship by a decision over the heavily favored Jack Dempsey. For a couple of decades after Jack Johnson, blacks were not allowed to fight for the heavyweight championship, I think, or probably any other, which uh, sets the stage for this Curious day in history where two white guys were fighting for the heavyweight championship. Things changed once Joe Lewis came on the scene. And it wasn't on this date in history, but it was 21 years ago yesterday, September 22nd in 1989, that the legendary American songwriter Irving Berlin, who composed 1,500 songs in his career, including Putting on the Ritz and God Bless America, died in New York at the age of 101. Blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Put another rits Different types who wear a coat, pants with the stripes and cut away coat perfect fits. Alright, our quote of the day is Dude, you have no Quran. This comes from twenty-three year old skateboarder Jacob Isom. He apparently was skating by a city park when he grabbed a kerosene-soaked holy text from David Grisham, the leader of Repent Amarillo, a group that crusades against promiscuity and homosexuals. He said something about burning the Koran, and I was like, dude, you have no Koran, and ran off. I some told a local TV reporter this, and (laughs) apparently Facebook groups quickly popped up to cheer his feet, and dude, you have no Koran has become the catchphrase of the moment, emblazoned on t-shirts, baseball caps, and is also featured here on Radio Parallax. <laughs> nice going, Jacob. Yay! Our quip of the day comes from legendary playwright Wilson Misner, who we've quoted many times on this show, who once said, The worst-tempered people I've ever met were the people who knew they were wrong. Our stat of the day is 60. That's the number of Muslim electricians, ironworkers, financial analysts, restaurant workers, secretaries, and others who died when the World Trade Center was destroyed by Islamic radicals on 9-11-01. Turns out Muslims who worked in the building prayed daily at a prayer room on the 17th floor of the South Tower. Something to think about for all the jackasses currently agitating to prevent a, quote, mosque, unquote, near ground zero about 60 muslims died that day too and we'd like to thank nancy for a contribution to this program she contributed a harper's magazine with some interesting articles we'll be talking about shortly but probably worth our while to take a look at the harper's index such as chances that a chinese criminal prosecution will result in a guilty verdict that would be 9 out of 10 or how about the date at which the oakland police stopped responding to burglaries which were not in progress due to a budget shortfall, that would be the 2nd of August of this year. Or how about the percentage of Afghans in a July survey who said they believed that NATO forces were in Afghanistan to rebuild the country? That would be 1%. As opposed opposed to the percentage who said NATO was there to destroy Islam, that was 9%. And my personal favorite, Minimum number of people prosecuted so far by the Obama administration for leaking classified documents. That would be four. As compared to the number prosecuted under the Bush administration, which was zero. All right, we needed the joke of the day. Let's go back to that lawyer joke book, shall we? First man, you know, my lawyer just had a bad accident. Second man, what happened? First man, oh, ambulance backed over him. How about the well-known attorney who found himself at the, at the pearly gates? protested to St. Peter, it's all a mistake. He was only 52 and far too young to be dead. That's odd, said St. Peter. According to your timesheets, you're 89. And finally, a man goes to a lawyer and asks what his least expensive fee was. Lawyer says, $50 for three questions. Stunned, the man says, isn't that a lot of money for three questions? I suppose it is, says the lawyer. What's your final question?
1: and money Dad Get me out of this Ha!
0: Alright, let's do the good the bad and the ugly okay. It was a good week last week for Newspeak, a la George Orwell, after the manufacturers of high-fructose corn syrup, which of course is a commonly used sweetener that's been linked to obesity, applied to the FDA for permission to change the name to corn sugar. Corn syrup, explained an industry spokesman, has been highly disparaged and highly misunderstood. No, we don't think that high-fructose corn syrup's been misunderstood at all. It's just that its unpleasant realities have come to light. Not the least of which is the fact that due to government policies and subsidies, this annoying substance has become so cheap that it's used in everything, despite its rather vile taste. Well, they can call it corn sugar if they want, but something we should be using less of. And it was a bad week last week for idiot pet owners, after a $4.4 million pet hotel opened in Fort Worth. Apparently down there in Texas, the Spa Paws Hotel features, I'm not making this up, custom upholstered beds, satin blankets, a wellness center, and an 18-inch flat screen TV. I guess this will permit Texas dog and cat and ferret owners to keep up on Bill O'Reilly, along with their pets. And finally, according to the Week magazine, it was an ugly week last week for privacy after the town council of Riverhead, New York, voted to stop using Google Earth to locate backyard pools whose owners hadn't obtained permits. Apparently, the spying had the local citizenry in an uproar. All right, from the Only in Kazakhstan file, we have the following... Apparently, Kazakhs, offended by the success of so called comedian Sasha Baron Cohn's 2006 movie Borat, which featured him as an anti Semitic, sexist, English mangling Kazakh journalist bumbling his way across America, are striking back. Kazakh filmmaker Erkin Rakachev says he's almost finished shooting what he calls an unauthorized sequel to Borat. The film, My Brother Borat, set for release ne- next year, follows John. A stupid American who visits Kazakhstan and is shocked to find a developed cosmopolitan country. In keeping with the original, unsuspecting ordinary Kazakhs are shown reacting to the visitors' antics. It's really funny, says Roman Kikalov, who may be a bit biased, being that he plays John. And you know what? That's one we're going to follow up on. And uh, anyway, back to Harper's Magazine. Nancy forwarded us a copy of it to, to specifically quote from apparently a 387-plank platform from the Republican Party of Iowa, which was posted on their website this year. Apparently, Iowa Republicans are in favor of the following. We call for the repeal of all mandatory minimum wage laws. We believe that all individuals and business owners have the freedom to choose the quality of air in their homes and establishments, which I guess is code for people should be allowed to smoke wherever they please regardless of the effect it may have on others. I like this one. We believe that claims of human-caused global warming are based on fraudulent, inaccurate information, and that legislation and policy based on this information are detrimental to the well-being of the United States. And my personal favorite. We believe candidates running as Republicans for any local or state office should be required to complete and return to the Republican Party of Iowa a signed questionnaire indicating whether the candidate agrees, disagrees, or is undecided about the plank of the current party platform. Well, those people that have complained the Republican Party is just a bunch of totalitarians, they're sure all wet, aren't they? In case that wasn't apparently the Republican Party up in Montana is calling for homosexuality to be declared illegal. And I believe we mentioned in passing uh, a couple weeks ago in the show that Bjorn Lomberg, previously cited as the world's leading environmental skeptic in terms of global warming, has now had a change of heart. Lomborg, an adjunct professor at the Copenhagen Business School, (laughs) as a statistician, is the director of a think tank, the Copenhagen Consensus Center, which analyzes the best way to spend developmental money. His latest book is Smart Solutions to Climate Change. He's now advocating that we spend $250 billion dollars to stop the changes in the Earth's atmosphere. He was asked by New Scientist magazine last month to uh, explain how skeptical he was about climate change, to which Lomborg said, man-made global warming exists. My problem is with the single-minded focus on drastic carbon emission reductions that have been promised in the 18 years since the Earth Summit in Rio and have gotten virtually nowhere. Asked what's the alternative? Lomborg says they looked at planting more trees, methane reduction, carbon taxes, and said the very best best long-term option turned out to be the investment in green energy technology. He claims that if you do it his way, every dollar you spend on climate change will produce $11 worth of benefits, whereas the previous methods were only doing pennies on the dollar. Interesting case where apparently uh, a lot of dough or the availability of a lot of dough has turned a guy into a— An advocate for doing something about uh, global warming, which seems to be reversing the trend we see in other uh, so-called pundits, guys like Rush Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly. But at any rate, well, good for Mr. Lomborg. At least he's now, uh, well, at least it shows he's to some degree an honest man. Speaking of dishonesty, we were openly scoffing on this program about some of the ridiculous estimates coming out of the Gulf of Mexico as regards how much oil was leaking from that well. Well, article by Renee Shue from the McClatchy newspapers, noting that an environmental whistleblower group charges in a lawsuit that the Obama administration is withholding documents that would reveal why it issued an estimate on the gravity of the Gulf of Mexico oil well blowout that later was proved to be far too low. The controversy over the oil flow estimates is part of a broader question about whether political appointees at the top of the Obama administration manipulated and publicized incorrect or incomplete scientific information in an attempt to tamp down anxiety and anger over the world's worst oil accident. We noted from the beginning that estimates were that there were about 100,000 gallons a day leaking from that well, but the government said at first, well, it's about 12,000, an estimate that they later revised upward times a factor of five. Noted the article questions have also been raised about the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's report in August that said 74% of the oil had been captured, dispersed, skimmed, or burned, or had evaporated or dissolved. Noting that NOAA hasn't released scientific findings to back up that assessment. And oddly enough, University of Georgia researcher Samantha Joy has taken some samples from the floor of the Gulf of Mexico, and guess what? They've discovered a two-inch thick layer of oil that coats the sea bottom that they think probably explains why so much of the BP spill seemed to disappear. Said Samantha Joy, I expected to find oil on the seafloor. I did not expect to find this much. Apparently she took samples ranging from two miles to 80 miles from the ruptured well, adding that uh, samples in the area a few months ago showed almost no oily sediments in the region. Government scientists estimated that at least 200 million gallons of oil entered the Gulf of Mexico from the blown-out BP well, and are claiming that about three quarters of it has evaporated or was skimmed off. And a continuing from Renee Schuof's article in McClatchy newspapers, people doing the lawsuit have noted that the oil spill isn't the only issue that worries them. In March of 2009, not long after he was sworn in, Barack Obama issued an executive memorandum that said his administration would adopt policies to protect scientific integrity. He directed the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy to develop those policies by June 9, 2009. Those policies still have not been issued. Said a spokesman, we pointed out the reason the Bush administration could manipulate science was because there were no rules against it. And there still aren't. And uh, let's hear from our old pal, Will Durst, who has a thing or two to say about all the angry people, allegedly angry people that have been all over the news lately.
1: Hey guys, Will Durst here, hooking into the hot new political zeitgeist. I'm mad. Mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Take what? I have no idea. I'm just mad, angry, riled up, cranky, irate, livid, bellicose, splenetic, which has something to do with the spleen. Not sure what. Might involve leakage. Whatever it is can't be good, and I got it. I'm mad at everyone and everything, but I'm especially mad at career politicians and career pediatricians. From now on, whenever one of my kids gets sick, I'm trusting them to some incensed old coot right off the street carrying a misspelled sign. I'm mad about paying taxes because I don't like paying taxes. And flossing, I hate that too. Who needs teeth? Members of the lamestream media elite, that's who, so they can lie through them. I'm mad about having to work two jobs just to get by and I'm mad that rich people don't get more tax cuts. I'm mad about our Muslim president being born in Kenya. And don't bother me with your so-called facts. I know what I know, and it makes me so mad I could spit. And I do, often. I'm mad at my own party, and I don't care if what I do hurts them because they're not as mad as I am. I'm so mad I'll bite off both of my own hands, one finger at a time if that's what it takes. I'm mad at the government and all their silly nitpicking rules. Let the corporations regulate themselves. They know what they're doing. I'm mad at the French. I'm mad at French's mustard. And I'm mad at people who put ketchup on hot dogs. I'm even mad at people who are mad at people who put ketchup on hot dogs. But the people who make me maddest of all are those people who aren't mad. Oh, they make me so mad. But you watch. They will be soon enough. Because my madness won't stop until they're just as mad as me. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Urgh, I ain't happy.
0: He is America's foremost political comic. Let's take a break and talk to one of America's foremost environmental scientists, Dr. Jared Diamond after a short break you're listening to radio parallax i'm douglas everett don't go away